How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to Hewitt Home, I'm Tracy Koga. It is the middle of November, it is grey and winter, so it's time to have some hard discussions on mental health and addictions. So we are going to have our Hue virtual chat, live on set will be Chief Nonconformist, co-creator of Robin Priest Live Your Truth, Robin Priest, and joining us in the chat room will be Charlotte Sitnik, Roz Hayes and Jacob Kaufman to have more on mental health and addictions. Well, I think I've waited two years now, almost, to have Robin Priest live here on our set. Uh, you know, welcome to our, our Hue set. I know you've seen it through Zoom, <laughs> but uh, now you're in the hot seat, Robin. Uh, it's exciting. I don't know about being in the hot seat, but it, it's exciting to be here in person. I know, I know. And you know what? You've always had so much wisdom and humor when talking about mental health, but um, November, and it's here we are halfway through almost the end of November, and it is Addictions Awareness Month. And, you know, beyond the addiction, it's mental health, and we're heading into the holidays. So it's kind of um, a heavy month, is it not? I, I don't know if I see it as a heavy month, right? I see it as a month where we have this opportunity where... We have the opportunity all the time, but we specialise in some months. But we have the opportunity to have brave conversations with people mm -hmm. and actually check in how they're doing instead of just going, whoa, it's holidays, let's all have a good time. Because for some people it's tougher. Some people are disconnected from their family and maybe want to be connected mm -hmm. or maybe don't want to be connected. And that's still an angst. So I think... I think having those brave conversations and really finding out how people are instead of those superficial ones that sometimes we have around the holidays. Oh, most definitely. And let's talk about your company, Live Your Truth, and your title is Nonconformist, which is so true. A co-creator, I guess the mission statement behind all of your work and the company. Yeah. Like I won't tell you the dry mission statement, but really what we're about is let's start talking about mental health. Let's break down the stigma and discrimination that goes with it. Mm -hmm. um, and all of us that are involved in the, in the company have our own experience 
or uh, family members. So I have my own experience of um, what some would say is a serious mental illness. Um, and I live this great life. And I've worked out how to do that. I've had great support and I've had some of the tough conversations. Um, Charlotte, who you'll you know, meet in a bit, like family members. So we come together and go, we want the world to be able to talk about this openly. Mental health for me is inclusive of addictions because many people who have addictions have kind of mental health things. But then mental health is a continuum, Tracy. It's like, it's, hey, I'm great. Everything's good. To, oop, the wheels are falling off. And that is like the hard part, right? And that's where I really truly believe peer support comes in, that first intervention, if you want to call it, but just to have that knowledge that you're not alone, right, um, when things slide. And, yeah, and living with addiction, you're not cured, right? Like, there's, there's always that constant battle. Um, like, I want to say for some people, yes, and for some people they'll say, no, I've, I've got this. And I think that's the thing we have to think about when we, when we talk about addiction and mental health. Again, there's a continuum of how people like look at it mm-hmm. and see whether they're still dealing with it and it's this lifelong thing or whether they feel like they've got it. It just depends on how people want to talk about it. Okay, well, maybe we should ask then our guests that are going to join us virtually, but I mean, it's been a long time for you to see even some of these people. Yeah. So let's open our virtual chat room to Charlotte, Jacob, and Roz. Hello, everybody. Okay, and now you can all, um, un- yeah, you can all unmute <laughs> yourselves and you can talk hey, over Tracy. Robin. Hi, Hi Roz, <laughs> it's so nice to see your beautiful face. And uh, I know that um, we've had very serious conversations about addictions, about mental health, and uh, just uh, Robin was just saying, I asked her the question, um, what you're never cured from an addiction. You're constantly having to, you know, fight the urge or, you know, and sometimes, you know, you do slide off. But uh, Robin gave a very interesting perspective that mm, that could be for some and then, you know, for others they have really made it. So I'm going to ask Roz, what is your opinion on this question? Ah, interesting. Um, my opinion, I agree with what Robin said. I, I think that uh, I think that if we're able to, or if a person is able to work through some of those things that, you know, cause them to reach for something to change how they feel, Um, you know, for me, there's a lot of trauma or some trauma in my background. And, you know, what I found is that if I'm not, I do have to do things to take care of myself. And it's not so much about I'm fighting this urge or I'm just, you know, like sitting on the edge all of the time, like, you know, wanting to pick up something, but I do have to take care of myself and I have to be able to manage, you know, my emotions as they come up, especially when big things come up, um, you know, because when big things come up and it could be, you know, a, a big happy thing or it could be a big painful thing. Um, either of those, either of those extremes can, you know, make a substance seem uh, inviting, you know. And what I also know is true is like, you know, 
for me, crack cocaine, that was my drug of choice, okay? And, and, and if I pick that up, the, the wheels are gone. There is no bus, there's nothing. Every, everything, you know, it's over with pretty much. Um, if I pick that up and if I, if I go too far with it. Um, but I also know that, you know, so often, you know, people put down one thing and they pick up something else that's more socially acceptable. And so, you know, I don't, I don't do this anymore, but now, you know, I shop, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm on Amazon every day, you know, or I don't, I don't, I, I leave Amazon alone, but oh boy, I love to eat, you know, and, and I'm just eating everything that, 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 that is good to me. Um, and so it's just, I think it's about managing the emotions and the stress because the stress, you know, leads to the, the, the overwhelm, you know, um, and so it's about taking care of ourselves or about me taking care of myself along the way, like every day. Because if I don't do that, then, you know, it can sneak up on me. And before I realize, I am overwhelmed, you know, just with life. Um, and, you know, I'm reaching for something. And so I, I don't think that it's so much of a daily struggle, again, not to not to use, but it, it is daily maintenance mm -hmm. just to maintain wellness and balance um and and if i'm not maintaining balance in my life then you know i can i can tip, tip. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we wobble but we don't fall down um charlotte uh robin said your title is um peer support family peer support momager and i love that uh my question and it's spilling on this how important is it not to be an enabler? And maybe I'm speaking from a parent's side, you know, uh, maybe dealing with a child. Or, and how important is it, right, that we should not be an enabler? And maybe you can maybe talk more on what an enabler is. Oh, you know, um, thanks for this question, Tracy. And, and Roz, I just I just want to add, thanks for sharing. I, I learn a little bit more about my family every time you and I talk. And so just understanding my mom a little bit better. So thank you for that. Um, we did a, Kirsten and I, who works with us, with Robin and I in our company, we did a, a podcast with a panel on and um, participants on Wednesday around the word enabler. And a couple of moms got really angry when we were asking the question, are you an enabler? And they, their immediate response is, no, I'm not an enabler. I'm just trying to save my child. And um, so we, we started to dig a little deeper, you know, well, what does that saving your child look like? And so then they would answer a little bit more and then they went, oh, I think I am an enabler. So I, I don't ever wanna say, it's a shameful thing, but when we are working with families, we support them to look at what how their actions look and if they are enabling. So when you ask the question, Tracy, is a, enabling a bad thing? It can be, um, and it can be a means to save a child too, depending on, on what the parent is thinking at the time. And um, so I, I wanna be cautious in saying it's always a bad thing. But what happens is when you support your child to start taking ownership of their own life, of their own behaviors and of their own actions um, and support them to look at what they're doing. So in, in terms of, you know, say using a substance um, 
to, to numb the pain in their head, um, which was the case in some of my family members. Um, it wasn't until my family member took a, a hard look at their lives and what they were doing and why they were doing it. And then, like Ross said, started to look at some different coping strategies that worked to maintain their mental health. That's when I started to see the change in them. Um, but when I was doing that role of, yeah, enabling them, well, you know, this is what they have to do because they're, they're hurting or this is what they have to do to support themselves. Um, that was a hard thing and it was, it wasn't a good thing for my, you know, my child's mental health. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, I keep going. I, I'm getting a little muddled in that. <laughs> Well, it, you know, I, I guess, yeah. you know where I go actually Tracy, and I just, I'm going to add a little bit. Um, I grew up with two parents who, who drank. And so I've got some, some addiction background as a child that, um, I wished that, um, I had understood better when I was a child and a teenager and, and an adult. And, um, and where my head was going with that is often families, you know, sweep it under the rug. They don't want to talk about it. And the child is left questioning, um, you know, is, is this my normal life? Or, you know, is there anything wrong? Or why do I feel the way I do? And, and so for me, having these conversations, um, you know, with Jacob and Tracy, and, uh, Robin and Roz, you know, just for others, for maybe younger children to understand, you know, what's going on at home and, and to get some supports and help that way. No, and, and it's true, and, and kids these days, they're not dumb. No. <laughs> In fact, no. they probably know more than we give them credit for. <laughs> and, but yeah. you're right, Charlotte, though, it's the non-communication. It's the sweeping under the rug. It's like tight-lipped, we don't talk about that, or the brush off. That's where the damage right starts. It's, it's those brave conversations. We've mm -hmm. got to be willing to have them. Mm -hmm. Like if we want to do any change in the future. Yeah. Well, and speaking of change, Jacob, ta-da. <laughs> oh, no. I, I hope you don't mind being around all of these women, but, you know, it's not like we're ganging up on you. Never, never, never. <laughs> uh, but making change, um, very interesting. I'm going to give that topic to you, change, and uh, you work with the homeless, working with Main Street Project, uh, an amazing organization too as well, but yourself, your own story, it's all about change. Is it a hard thing to do? Yes and no. Uh, change is hard to do when you have 20 different people behind you yapping at you, telling you how you should change. <laughs> and... Uh, Letting yourself realize that not to listen to them, but to listen to what you want to do, how you want your life to go, how you want to change, and then doing it. So it's hard, but it's easy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, and, I, you know, well, we're in Winnipeg, and it's winter pig, and my goodness, uh, you know, how much snow fell mm -hmm. so quickly. Um, what has it been like on the streets? it's it's been crazy but it's been good so we've just been working a lot harder than we usually do handing out more warm materials that we've been squirreling away over the summer and just trying to keep the community our, our friends and family that are living on the streets uh warm and safe it's it's just it's the best job 
Oh, no doubt. And for yourself, too, um, we had an interesting conversation. You were at one point homeless. And sometimes that is where people want to be, right? Yeah, the the truth is, is that you can, uh, I can buy 500 homes and I could offer one to every person that's living on the street in Winnipeg or another small city, but only 75% will take it because we're humans and every human has different desires. And yeah, there's some people who enjoy sleeping outside and I am completely okay with that. I have lots of family and friends that still sleep outside and it's just, you know what, just be there for them. Wow. It's uh, continue on doing your work. Well, we're going to get you more into the conversation. So uh, getting back to addiction and that, you know, Roz, you can step in on this too. It has obviously become more apparent. We're talking about it more and how much, I guess, the pandemic and COVID has brought this forth. Am I right, Robin? Um, truth be told, I don't know the statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think, I, I do know that uh, around Winnipeg, I think the alcohol sales were up by a mega amount. So maybe. Maybe not, but I, I think, I don't know if it's more than it used to be, but I think it's talked about more. I think mm. it's more in the open, so we see it more. Um, I, I, yeah, it's probably gone up. I think food addiction has probably gone up. I, I certainly know that I was eating things that were like, I'm just going to buy this and this. And I go, no, I'm not going to have it. And I go to the store and be like, come on, come on. Um, and I, you know, I, because I was numbing how I was feeling. And I, I think the place for me is as we, as we continue with what's occurring, because I don't see it going away anytime quickly, that if we can support people who want to connect with other people sometimes as as Jacob was saying sometimes people like I don't want to home I don't want to talk to people give me space but like I just the more we reach out Mm -hmm. and I think I've talked to you about it before like instead of just hi how are you the grocery store and you know and you say not good and the person's like okay, let me, goodbye, that was 20 bucks. Um, I think if we really engage human to human and we actually like care what's happening and we start to support people differently, I, you know, I say the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think it's about getting our human back on and caring about our neighbour and caring about our community. And I think we lost that and... I'm kind of hoping that given the shake-up with COVID, we actually do engage more mm. with people than we did before because we found out how it feels to be isolated yeah. and alone mm-hmm. and not be able to see people. Oh, I got goosebumps then. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the general population really got... Um, Oh, it sounds weird, a feel for how it is to not be able to connect. 
Mm -hmm. And then maybe that gives them a different perspective when we start to be able to connect more and more and more. I don't know if that answered your question. I think I went off topic, but there you go. Hey, Uh, so Roz, you're listening to Robin. How are things in Georgia, in the States? Things things in the States of the pandemic, definitely. I mean, there are the statistics and I don't know them, but I do know that addiction, that... um, setbacks for people who, who, you know, live with addiction and um, even, you know, overdose, uh, suicides, all those things are up um, as a result or since the pandemic. And, and I think that Robin, Robin is right when we think about um, that inability to connect, you know, there are some folks who will say that, you know, sobriety or abstinence is not the opposite of addiction, but connection. Mm. is the opposite of addiction and that connection and that being able to engage is the thing that we really need that that getting our human on and and you know it's interesting and something that i've experienced recently because the pandemic you know hadn't been kind to me um something i experienced is people people genuinely genuinely wanting to connect with me but then like the stigma there's such a stigma around you know, addiction and around other mental health concerns. And, you know, to admit that you're struggling is a difficult thing for folks to do, to say, hey, you know, I really do need, I need something more than what I'm getting. Um, And sometimes figuring out what that is or what that even looks like and how do I, how do I ask, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get lost right there. Like there's a gap Mm -hmm. in how do I really ask for the support that I need? How do I let somebody know that I'm struggling just for the fear of judgment or whatever else that might come along with it? And then there just is this kind of cloak of secrecy that comes with um, that comes with, with, with active addiction and, and that comes with all of that as well. And it's like, you know, this idea that I can somehow hide it. And so we were talking earlier about sweeping it under the rug, you know, but it's, you know, the proverbial pink elephant. You can't sweep an elephant under a rug, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so to act like, to act like it's not there, and that's what we do. You know, everybody sees it, everybody knows, but we, we can't talk about this thing that's just so obvious. Um, and so, you know, the idea of, of, of continuing to, to be able to have the brave conversations, the difficult conversations, um, it takes some courage. You know, it really takes courage to ask for support. It really takes courage to say, hey, I, I'm really going through right now um, because it's such a vulnerable place to be. Um, you know, so definitely, you know, the, the pandemic has had a huge impact and just figuring out ways to, you know, extend ourselves to each other um, in a way that that is safe for people Mm -hmm. so that they can ask for what they need and they can have, you know, we can have the difficult conversations, I think is is what's necessary. It's okay, you know what I mean? If you slip up, it's it's all right. You know, grab grab a hold of somebody and and come on back, you know? Um, you don't have to just suffer and fall off into the abyss. You know, we, you know, there there are folks just just grab a hand and, and come back. It really is OK. Um, you know, I think to get that message out there is important. Oh, well, thanks, Ross. Jacob, I'm curious, um, how do you have how do you have those conversations with the families, your friends on the streets? 
I, I just talk to people. Uh, that's it. I, uh, I treat people like people. I treat the community, any community, like I've known them for 100 years. And I speak to people exactly how I would talk to my wife, my daughter, my best friend, Robin, <clears throat> anyone. And it not being fake about things and just showing people that mm -hmm. you do not care what they're doing. You don't care where they're at. You're None of that matters. And it just helps people realize, oh, my goodness, this person really just cares about me. And yeah. And when people are ready, they'll come to you. And when they come to you, just be ready to help them achieve what they want to do. It's, it's pretty easy. I hate to say, but as for myself, asking for help, it's no. It's really hard, especially being a heroin addict that's been clean for almost 22 years. It's every day is a struggle still. And I can't always ask for help because there's not people in my life who are have the same background as me in regards to being a junkie. So, yeah, it's day by day. Wow. Well, well when you speak from the heart like that, Jacob, that's, I think, halfway there anyways, right? Robin, I mean, to have that understanding and the self-awareness, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. It's pretty, it's pretty powerful, Jacob. And, uh, you know, this is the mm. tough conversations that we're all having. Uh, Charlotte, I'm going to bring you in here, too. Tough conversations mm. as a parent. You know, having that tough one. When I was listening to Raza's words about, you know, just, you know, reaching out and hand and support and, and when I'm working with parents, a lot of times it's, you know, when, when your child's come forward and said, Hey, listen, I'm struggling and this is what it looks like. You know, how do we have those tough conversations without overreacting or trying to fix, save and mm -hmm. solve them, but listening to what, what they want. And, um, you know, and hearing Jacob's words where there's not many who could, could help me, um, you know, coming from supporting, say, you know, Jacob's parents is just having those conversations with them to say, hey, Jacob, I'm hearing you. You know, what can we do to support you as opposed to thinking that you know all the answers to what he needs? Because mm -hmm. um, as parents, we all think we know what, what our child needs or what is best for our child, but it's not until we listen to what they want and then support them with what that looks like. You know, Roz talked about, um, you know, harm reduction or you know, abstinence, you know, it looks different to everybody what they're wanting. Um, and it's when we can support our child to explore what's going to work for them. That's when I saw the, the biggest change in, in my child is, is when I when I changed my language, when I was supporting her to make her choices, to make her decisions on what her mental health looked like and what supports that she needs. And, uh, and I encourage any parent, you know, to ask their child what that looks like and wait for the answer, not assume that you know. Well, so the future, we're almost nearing 2021. What's 2022 gonna look like? Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's sorry, it's an uh, ever moving kind of feast, I think. I don't know if we know what it's gonna look like, but what, people like Roz and, and Jacob and Charlotte and I are going to continue to do 
is like speak from the heart, speak about our experiences, share that. Jacob said, you know, he doesn't reach out for help because people don't know some of the things. And that's the thing for me about peer support is being able to chat to someone Mm -hmm. who's had like similar, not the same because we all experience things differently, but being able to have that conversation and say, you're not alone. Like, you know, I've, I've had some tough times. These are the kind of things I did to get through it. They may or may not work for you, but like, let's just chat. And like, if, if, 2022 can be the year of non-judgment and not just in this area, in every area. But if we can come with non-judgment and no agenda when we're like going there to, we're not trying to fix, solve, save, as Charlotte said, that's, that would be my wish for mm-hmm. 2022. And that's what Charlotte and I are going to focus on. We're, we're actually uh, just about to start writing a book together called uh, Furious, uh, no, <laughs> Curious Not Furious Conversations okay. and, and about how do we have those tougher conversations. Nobody can steal that title. We've got it copyrighted. <laughs> um, but, but just ha- how do we come without that? Deer in the headlight, judgment, oh my God, I've got to save you kind of place mm. and come with empathy and compassion. And I, I just want people to be passionately curious. Well, there's another book title. <laughs> so I'm just going to go around. Um, what would be your wish, Roz, for 2022? I love the, the, the year of non-judgment. Um, and just coming together, year of connection, that people, that, that, that there is a place for everyone and, and a person or, or a, a group for everyone, you know. Um, yeah, that would be it, that people are able to find a place for themselves um, where they can just be who they are. Awesome. Jacob? For the next year, I would like to see addictions become more normalized that is that's honestly the best thing i can say because the quicker we normalize it and decriminalize uh, drugs we're gonna see less of our family members dying less of our community dying if there's safe supplies for people so i'd love to see that and i would just love to see more people treat people like people instead of statistics numbers or feel sorry for them oh great and charlotte you know uh one of the stories that comes to mind is is i was working with a family and uh their child was really struggling and it was i was working with the mom and dad and and the dad had an aha moment one day and he said oh it's not all just about my child it's about me too and where I go with that is, you know, in the family, and whatever family is to you is what family is to Robin and me, um, we all have mental health, and then our family has mental health. And when we all start to look at the role each of us plays in our mental health and our family story, that's when you can see real change within a family. So um, my hope is that 
when when parents come to me or family members come to me and it's and it's all about the child or it's all about the spouse and they're the ones with all the problems um i'd love for everybody to take a look at themselves and their own mental health and uh and i i think we would see huge change in uh in our families wow okay so we have all our work cut out for our everybody here just to make the world at least a, a better place and uh you know what thank you so much robin i mean these conversations are always so good, and I'm only hoping that it just spreads. So thank you. Just love it. Thanks for letting us on. And Charlotte, sorry I put it out there loudly. We're writing that book. We're going to have to now. Um, anyway, it's always such a pleasure to talk about something I'm completely passionate about. I know. When you speak from the heart like all of you have yeah. um, amazing things will happen so thank you Robin Charlotte Jacob wonderful to see you and Roz as always and uh, hopefully yes we'll see you in 2022 so the hive is a climbing and fitness facility so we're bouldering only which means no ropes or harnesses we use mats for protection but the four pillars of our business are climbing education health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. Welcome back to Hugh at Home. Coming up next, I sit down with Sammy Morelli. She has a brand new single out called Love Away, but more importantly, she's got a brand new baby girl. Well, I want to give a big welcome to Sammy Morelli all the way in Vancouver. And I know it's raining there, but Sammy, here in Winnipeg, we have about uh, almost uh, six inches of snow and it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) yes, so my turn to pout. Wah, wah. Anyways, no, it's all about music. And uh, wow, you know, I don't think the pandemic really has... uh, Put a crimp in your style, and you have a baby girl. I do yeah. So, she's almost two now. It's crazy. Oh, she's not a baby anymore. Harley, yeah, no, it's she's growing out like really fast, and it's insane. <laughs> All right, so these past couple of years then have been really interesting. So now a multitasker, a full mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how has it been? It's been uh, it's been a wild ride over the last two years. Like, I mean, for everyone, it's been kind of a, a crazy time. Um, you know, we're but it's been interesting because a lot of it has been you know stripping away the distractions of you know regular life and and the business and the you know the work and all of that stuff and really kind of getting down to the nitty gritty of like who you are what you want, what you want to make your life. And, and it's been, uh, it's been kind of a blessing in disguise to have that time, especially as a new mom and, and working on this new music. It's, uh, it's been, it's been very interesting. (laughs) Lots of uh, discovery time, I guess. (laughs) And then, you know, raising a daughter through all of this too. It's crazy. How did you, how, how did you schedule time between music and baby? Yeah, I mean, when you when you really love 
something, you know, you make that time work however you can. So, you know, in between naps and when she's down to sleep at night, that's when I get my, you know, my computer out and I'm working on songs or, you know, kind of scheduling in between my husband's work to, to get to, to the studio to get co-writes in and, and producing and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's, it's been challenging for sure, but, you know, uh, you make it work. You just kind of fit it in where you can, and um, and it's really great because my kid loves music too, right? So <laughs> it's just constantly playing stuff in our house and lots of loud singing and lots of loud everythings. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, let's talk about the music now. You're pretty engrossed in all of the steps of of making the music. Um, which steps do you like the most, and which steps do you not? <laughs> um I love I love it all um and it's so fun because like it really depends on like what kind of project I'm working on uh, how things come together and so like for a lot of uh you know the last few years I've been doing a bunch of EDM top lining and like working with different uh producers in that kind of world which has been super fun uh you know lots of variety lots of interesting kind of writing projects um, and then for my own stuff, like this stuff has kind of been percolating for years and, and, you know, coming out at different times of my, my own personal awakening and, uh, you know, at different times of my realization. So it's kind of interesting to see like how the difference of um, projects kind of happens. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I relish every part of the, the creation of, of music. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And uh, yeah, no, it, it's so fun how different it is, that's all. <laughs> and I guess now the landscape of music has changed. Uh, people can instantly put up a song, you know, you can do it in, in your basement, you can do it in your bedroom. Um, for you, I guess the whole process of being now in this huge music fishbowl, how do you make your sound unique? How do you make it go, ah, yeah, that's a Sammy song? Yeah, well, it's that's a really great question. And it's something that I've had to ask myself for many years, you know, what kind of makes me stand out. And I think at the core of it, it really is just being true to myself and not trying to be anything uh, other, you know, like just really going with my gut of what sounds the best, you know, what I want to say. Um, and uh, I'm finding like the more I am aligned with my truth, the better it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think too, uh, obviously having a family now, a baby and, and someone that's going to look up to you as a role model, um, how have you changed? <laughs> oh, besides physically, oh, your body has gone through so many things. So many things. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, God, mother, motherhood changes everything. Uh, and even, even becoming a mother of those songs, like, you know, like it's so interesting um, because it does, uh, it does make that responsibility grow a thousand times. And um, it makes you think about what you want your impact to be and what you want uh, to impart on the next generation and um and just yeah to like you said be the most amazing role model for this young little girl coming up in the world um it's made me really want to break some uh some curses <laughs> of you know the past and and make it a better place for her to grow up wow so let's talk about this a new single love away the story behind it 
and maybe uh, who's worked on the song with you too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how Love Away came to be was, it was kind of at the beginning of this like new era of my own personal musical journey, uh, which probably started about maybe six years ago. I was uh, living in Ontario and I, you know, was kind of just wanting to get back to making my own music and, uh, you know, kind of be more hands-on and like, independent with like writing myself and, and, you know, putting together the demos and stuff. So this was actually one of the first songs that I just wrote and uh, produced a demo for like on GarageBand, you know, like just making it, making it happen. And I was like, Oh, this sounds cool. And you know, that kind of story came about, you know, really to try and stand in your personal power and like, say like, Oh no, I'm not going to stand for, um, you know, the BS that I see, uh, happening, like this bad behavior, like, no, you can't pull the wool over my eyes. Like I am this new person and I am, you know, you can't, can't do that to me. I respect myself too much to play those games kind of thing. So it was like kind of this interesting mesh of like, oh, this new independence and this new like standing strong kind of thing um, coming together to, to make this song. And I, I spent years workshopping it like live and not really doing too much with it. But um, when I met Nathan Chu, who uh, goes by the name Wafy, um, and we started working together, uh, co-writing other stuff. I was like, all right, maybe this is the time to really bring this up and, uh, and, and really release it this time. So, um, he took it and just like fleshed it out and made this amazing, you know, lush R and B, uh, soulful, funky kind of, um, song. And that was like the first time where I heard my music really click, um, you know, find my sound, which was really exciting. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the story of Love Away. <laughs> well, it is. That's a beautiful story. And uh, I know that you promised that you would do an acoustic version for us. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sammy. It's been a pleasure meeting you. You too. <laughs> yes. And thank you too, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> fun to be like psychically in Winnipeg as well it's a, a city close to my heart I really yeah. love it there oh, really? I've only been a couple times but um I a ton of great people I know there and yeah it's really cool uh well hopefully the next time you'll be touring and we can all come and see you play live oh you know I will definitely let you know when that happens hopefully soon <laughs> perfect take it away Sammy Don't mind me Just sitting there thinking about what I should do next Mind is racing, I don't know what to think about your text Never let this Breaking promises Ooh, I wanna find you Yeah. 
want to give a very special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. What would you do to help solve the homeless situation? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram. 
But for now, as always, stay safe and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hewitt Hunt. And I can't wait to fall asleep With your sunburnt skin next to mine And the windows open listening. This has been a production of ilikeq.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first 5 episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at Let's Take This Outside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.